seat. Uh, and if you have kids, they are dismissed to our children's ministry, which is right out that door and to the left. And we are excited that you have spent this time with us. Again, my name is Russ. I am one of the pastors here. And we're so excited that you could be with us on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, the Great Wall of China um, was built over a number of years. It is one of the most recognizable pieces of architecture in the world. It is uh, something that draws people from all over the world to come look at it. It is 4,000 miles long almost, and it was built thousands of years ago. And it is, it took 200 years for it to build, which means that everybody who started building the Great Wall of China None of them were alive when it was finished. That's how long it took to build this thing. And it has been around for a long time, but it took over 200 years to build. Uh, in Italy, there's another famous piece of architecture, and it, it's called the Sistine Chapel. And it has this beautiful roof that was painted by uh, Michelangelo. He started in 1508. And he finished it in 1512. Again, people from all over the world come to look up at the ceiling and uh, uh, just stare at it and be amazed by its beauty. But it's something that took four years to finish. Uh, that's a long painting job. I mean, think about painting your own house and how difficult that is. And sometimes you get frustrated after a month. This took four years years to paint. And so there's another project that I'm very aware of that you may not know, but there is this interstate exchange in Memphis where I grew up, and it is this big giant bridge that connects um, Interstate 240 to Interstate 40, and it's east of Memphis. And the only people don't come from miles away to see this thing. It's just a bridge. But they started building it before I started driving. And they finished it after I graduated college. So it was one of these things where every time I would drive down there, they'd be working on it. And there was a time in my life where I thought they would never finish building this bridge. It took nine years for them to complete this one bridge. And the point of all of this is, is things take a while to get done. Uh, things take a while to get finished. And they can be beautiful things, or they can be just things that we need. But if we want something to happen in our lives, in our world, in our house, a lot of times we have to be patient with the process. And this morning, we are starting a series where we are talking about God building something for his people and how that takes a process for his people. And they don't see the finished part of it, but a lot of what we're going to read is them being in the process of rebuilding something. 
And God works that way in our lives, too, is not only does he build things for his people, in this case, a temple that we're going to talk about, but he also rebuilds our lives or builds our lives in ways that it just takes patience for us. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so as we talk about that, I'm going to invite you to pray with me as we go forward. Uh, God, we, we sometimes are so impatient for things to happen, and we pray that we would be a people who uh, can wait on you, that we can declare you are faithful even when we don't see the end. And so um, I pray for the people who are going through hard times and storms right now. I pray for the people who may not be going through a storm but are waiting on you to show yourself. I, I pray for those people. God, we pray for, for all of us together that we would be patient with what you're doing in our lives and in our worlds uh, so, that, so that we can still declare that you are good. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of Ezra this morning. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to, book of, uh, invite you to turn to the book of Ezra. And we're going to be in the book of Ezra for the next three or four weeks and Ezra is not a book, and you'll just turn to Ezra 1, the very beginning of the book of Ezra. And the, the book of Ezra is not a book that a lot of people think about when they think about the Bible. Because when we think about the Bible, we have certain people that come to mind. Maybe you have David, or Moses, or Abraham, or maybe you have Jesus, or Paul, and this book of the Bible doesn't feature any of these characters that we often know when we think about the Bible, but it does feature God's people, the Israelites. And what we're going to see is, even though this isn't a story that a lot of us know, that there's a lot in there that can apply to who we are as people of God. And so we're going to read the story of the Israelites at a time in their life, starting in Ezra chapter 1. We're going to read the first uh, four verses. Uh, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found... Let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So the history of Israel is summed up in these big movements that happen. So one of the things that happens that's big in the history of Israel is they are slaves in Egypt. This is at the very beginning of the Bible. They are slaves and God releases them from slavery, and they, they, get, they get released from Egypt. And after they're released from Egypt, after that period of time, they walk into a new 
kingdom. And they build this sort of empire that has, that's where King David is, that's where King Solomon is. They gain this giant piece of land, and it's this huge kingdom. It's probably the biggest the kingdom of Israel has ever been. And there are lots of good things that happen to Israel in that time. But after that period of Israel's history, they get captured by these other kingdoms and empires. And it's just empire after empire who rule God's people, the Jews. So after they establish their own kingdom, they get taken over by the Assyrians. And after the Assyrians, the Assyrians get taken over by the Babylonians. And after the Babylonians, the Babylonians get taken over by the Persians. And it's not important that you, re- that you know all of those people groups or empires. What is important is that this takes 150 years of God's people living under the rule of a foreign enemy. And their enemies make them abide by their rules. They make them listen to what they say. They impose these big taxes on them in order for the empire to continue to to grow and build. And at times, they are very violent toward the people of God. When the empire of Israel is, when the kingdom of Israel is at its biggest, there are hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people that are part of this giant kingdom. And when some of these other neighbors come and take over, they kill God's people, they destroy their temple eventually, the place where they worship, they uh, take them away from their families and uh, put some of them in prison, they torture some others, they kill a lot of them, and um, these people, uh, even though a lot of them at this point in Ezra are free to worship kind of how they want to, they still have to abide by the laws and rules and regulations that are set by Persia. And so if they do ever anything to upset those rules, uh, they will face consequences that probably result in death. And so they've been this way for generations. They have no place to worship. They have no land to call their own. They have uh, no rules or laws that they can set for themselves. They have to do what the foreign government has said that they have to do. But the book of Ezra starts with God's people in this exile, but there's hope. And the hope comes through a foreign king. Uh, The king of Persia, his name is Cyrus, he writes this law, this decree that says God's people can go back to Israel and they can create their own temple. They can worship in a place that's for them. They used to have a temple. It got destroyed by the Babylonians, another kingdom. And finally, this king is saying they can go back and they can build their temple. Now, in Ezra 2, we didn't read this. But in the second chapter, it says how many people actually go back to start rebuilding God's temple in Jerusalem. 
And it gives the number of 42,000 people, which is about the size of our city. It's about the size of Tupelo. But you got to think, at one point, this kingdom was hundreds of thousands of people. So probably less than 5% of the people who were worshiping God and living together in this one city, in this one land, probably 5% come back, maybe less than that. And for 150 years, they have been scattered, they have had no land, they have had no place to worship, and they're trying to figure out, where is God in all this? So when we get to Ezra 1 and we read that they're invited back to build their temple, they've gone through this long season where they're trying to figure out where God is. And just think about all the questions that must go through their mind when generation dies off and they still don't see God's hand in the way that they want to see God's hand. They still believe in him. They still worship him. They still trust that he is good. But and there's probably little places in their life where God has worked. But when it comes to giving them a kingdom again, when it comes to them having a place to call their own, they just don't see it anymore. And think about what that's like for a lot of us. Because we go through these seasons where we wonder what God is doing. And I don't know if you're in a season like that now. And I have been in seasons like that before in my life. Where I feel like I'm doing the things that I should be doing. I'm spending time with God and, and like studying the scriptures and praying and gathering with other people who are following Jesus. I, and I just wonder where God is, and I keep asking the question. And I think it's okay to ask that question, God, where are you? And it, it, it may not be 150 years like the Israelites, but there are times in our life where we ask God, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? And you may even see other people where God is working in their life, but you want something to happen and it's not happening and you just wonder why. But the people of Israel in the book of Ezra get a little glimmer of hope when a king says, go worship your God, go find a place, build your temple again. And even though that's not the end, that's not the finished product, they don't have a temple yet, there is a little hope there that says, oh, maybe this could, this could work. Maybe God is doing something. So if you're in Ezra, turn uh, over one page to Ezra 3. And we're going to read a few verses in there. Because God continues to show that he's good in the middle of this long period of exile. Uh, Ezra 3, starting in verse 10, says this. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. 
With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. Many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mixed together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. So picture this. It says that the foundation is laid. So it's basically just a rock, like a concrete slab that has been laid for the people of God. They haven't built a temple yet. They haven't come back to their land entirely yet. They're just looking at a concrete slab and they cannot help but sing, He is so good, His faithful love endures forever. This is an an old Hebrew song and it would just chant that over and over. So over and over they would just say, He is so good, His faithful love endures forever. He is so good. And some people are shouting. And some people are singing. And it says that the older people who have come back, 40,000 people coming together, remembering what it used to be like. Now, they have been in exile in some way for 150 years, but some of the older people were there when the old temple was there and it was knocked down. And they saw it go down. They saw it be destroyed by Babylon. And they're looking at a concrete slab and they're crying. And they're saying, God is good. They're not in the middle of a worship service. They're not in this big holiday like Passover or any of their big celebrations. They're not even standing in a temple. Right now, all God's people have are a small group of people who come back together to build a temple, a foundation, and a king who says it's okay for you to go back and worship your God. These are the only signs in their life that God is moving in the lives of his people. And they're singing, and they're shouting, and they're crying, declaring God is so good. I think it's important for us to remember that even in the darkness, if we're looking, that there are signs that God is working in our lives. And one of the things that, I don't know if you, I don't know if you grew up in church or not, but w- when I was growing up in church, uh, I had these signs that God was moving in my life, and it was basically every time I went to summer camp. <laughs> um, because you'd have this big great experience that and that would be the only sign that God would ever work in your life and then you go like an entire year and you kind of talk about faith but you wouldn't really see God's hand or you wouldn't notice it and I, th- I think a lot of us have been programmed to think that God only shows up when we have a finished product in our hand that God only shows up when the temple is built 
that God only shows up when what we have wanted to happen for so long actually happens. Uh, but the reality is, God doesn't just show up, and God's not just faithful when we graduate. God is faithful when we're in the library at 2 a.m. studying for a test and barely pass. The truth is, God is not just faithful on our wedding day or on the day our kids are born. The truth is, God is faithful in those times when we're praying for those things to happen. Uh, God is not just faithful when our kids come to faith. He is also faithful when they're toddlers or when they're teenagers and we want to strangle them rather than like give them a place to eat. God is faithful in some of the darkest times in our lives, and we just have to be looking for the foundation that's there. God is faithful to the Israelites because a foundation is laid, and a king says, go worship your God. And that's the brightest sign they've had in 150 years. And so for us, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how God builds our lives, and sometimes he has to rebuild our lives. But the thing we have to be aware of is if we are going to trust Jesus with our entire selves, that, that we have to understand that it takes time for him to do the work inside of us. That life is just not a series of finished products where we win the lottery, and then our dream home falls into our lap, and then everything we've ever wanted just happens for us without any work, and without any struggle, and without any waiting, and without any toil. The reality is God is faithful to us, but when we say God is faithful in church and amongst a group of people who follow him, what we are saying is God is faithful in all things. That even in the darkness, God is being faithful to me. Even when I can't see the way forward, I trust that he is going to shine a light for me that will point the way. So if you're in the middle of a really messy relationship, that family or friendship, that may seem like that there's no, there's no end to it, we want you to trust that God is faithful. He wants you to trust that God is faithful. If you're in the middle of a job loss, or even a job that you just can't handle right now, that you hate it, we want you to believe that God is faithful. Um, if you're in the middle of financial hardship, or divorce, or, uh, or any type of pain that you're going through, God is faithful in the middle of those things. And... One day, we trust that there will be a finished product that makes sense. But we don't live our lives for one day to declare God is faithful. We are, we are like God's people who look at a blank slab, imagine what will be one day, and declare God is faithful in the middle of that. This is the life that we're invited to, is to have hope, in the middle of darkness, to trust that he is good in the middle of difficult circumstances.
Um, I have a, a family relationship in my life that for a long time has been uh, very difficult for me personally. And it's been up and down, and sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse. And I've prayed a lot through that circumstance. Um, I've had some really hard conversations with this person in my life and wondered if it would ever get better. Um, and I was just casually talking to a friend of mine uh, not too long ago, and I was talking about this one specific relationship, and they know this thing that I've been through, and, and I said, you know what? I think that relationship may be better than it's ever been in my entire life. And I can't point to a certain moment where it just got better. And I could probably tell you little areas where it got better. But I'm at a point now where I can look at that one situation in my life and I can say, God has been faithful in this place. And I wondered if he ever would be faithful in this place. And I wonder if anything ever would have changed. And it has. And a lot of my past has been hope. Hoping that this would get better. And it's not perfect, but I can absolutely 100% declare that it is better than it's ever been. And that's because God has been working in me through that relationship for a very long time. And no matter what your circumstance is, we have to declare that, that God is faithful. The people of Israel declared so loudly that God was faithful when they had very little to show. But as we're going to see, some of the people who are weeping and crying won't even see the temple that's going to eventually get built. So they're not going to see the finished product. They're not going to see the fruit of God's faithfulness. But all they can do right now is look at a blank slab and say, God is faithful because he's building something right now for his people. And that's what we hope for you. And that's my hope for you. Is that if you're in a place in your life where it's a blank slab, or even if it's a place where, in your life where God is tearing certain things down so we can get to a blank slab, that you will have hope and that you can declare in the middle of that that God is faithful. Uh, let's pray. God, we want to trust you with everything that we are. And... Um, a, a lot of us in this church are, are looking at a, a blank slab. We have hope that you will, you will be faithful. We trust that you will do something in our lives and in our community. But we don't know what the end looks like. Um, 
God, I pray for these people in this room. I pray that all of us will be able to declare that you are turning us into something beautiful. That even though we don't see the finished product, that what you're doing inside of us right now is you are being faithful to us in a way that will uh, produce fruit. So I pray for us that we would trust your faithfulness and that we can declare loudly with our lives that you are faithful. And we declare it so loudly that people outside our houses will hear us and people who are looking at our lives will say something is going on there. Help us to declare your faithfulness in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.